Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Welcome, everybody, that's tuning in with us today. We have a, a great returning guest, Judy Flickinger. She's been on our show in the past, and we thought it would be great to have her back. We're going to be talking about the end-of-life care uh, for someone that you love. And Judy was a hospice nurse, and then she also took uh, this time she um, she wrote a book, Spirit Matters, How to Remain Fully Alive with the Life-Limiting Illness. Welcome, Judy. Thank you. So glad to be back. Yeah, it's great. So I'm going to pretty much turn, uh, turn the show over to you, and you can kind of uh, inform our listeners on, you know, what your career was and then, you know, what motivated you to write your book and give them some good tips on end-of-life care. Well, I've been a nurse forever, and I, um, in 1989, I found where I really belonged in nursing, and that was with hospice. And I learned so much uh, from my patients. And one of the things that was so relevant to me was that they come into hospice and they're beaten down, they're worn out. Um, They're suffering from uh, symptoms that we in hospice knew how to manage. And yet the medical community in general was not managing the symptoms well, so our patients were suffering. And... um, it destroyed the spirit that they had in them, and I mean the human spirit, the person inside that body. And um, they just give up because they're miserable, and their families are miserable watching them and living through this with them. And you know, dying is hard, Denise, but it should never be awful. We know how to help people yeah. with their dying. Yeah. And, and yet it's very underutilized, um, this help. And huh. one of the most common comments that hospice hears universally is why didn't anyone tell us about this wonderful service before now? I've needed this help for so long. And they didn't know I could get it. Yeah. And yet, in the United States, I mean, Medicare, Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurance 
they do or they don't. Excuse me? Medicare doesn't pay for it. Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurance pays for hospice care. Right. Okay. Uh, So, as I said, my joy was seeing people starting to feel better, and then they started doing better, and their Uh spirits returned, and it gave them something to fight with, fight the disease with, a little longer. Yeah. So what we found is that people started doing better when we got them on the hospice program early enough, and then they went back and started living their lives again with with some joy, and they had been miserable. So well, when you, you know, that when you talk about for me. When, yeah, when you talk about starting the uh, hospice program early enough. What are the parameters for that? Well, the the regulations say if a person has six months or less to live, they can go on hospice. Well, we're all different. We're all made of different um, chemicals, and our bodies are different. So I had people on hospice for a year. Uh-huh. Um, the disease follows a different course for different people. Yeah, of course. Hmm. Well, it's up to the physicians to put them into the system, correct? Not necessarily. Um, first of all, we've known for years, many, I've known this for 40 years that physicians will continue to treat their patients with the same disease if they had that they would stop treatment for themselves but they'll continue to treat their patients and there have been studies done about this so and what what do you mean by that well i mean So let's give an example. Stanford University School of Medicine, they did a study, and they spent $2 million on this study. And they had um, 20 people, professionals, doctors, nurses, hospice people, clergy, college professors, and they did this study for 22 months. And the conclusion was that we're not doing a very good job in our country on end-of-life care and that physicians would continue treating their patients long after that they would allow treatment on themselves if they had the same illness. Okay. Now I understand. That tells you something. Yeah. So this is my answer to that. If you have a loved one that is seriously ill with a life-limiting illness, or you do, the number one question for your physician should be, would you be surprised if I or my loved one, the ill person, would die in the next three months? 
And the physician says, no, I wouldn't be surprised. Then it is time for hospice. Okay. And so, and you don't need that particular physician to write the order for hospice. You can ask, would you write an order for hospice to do a review to see if I'm appropriate? But if he says no, or he she says no, then you call hospice yourself and you say, I would like someone to do an assessment. Now, you do need a physician's order to begin hospice care, but every hospice has physicians on their staff, and they can do it with you, and they can order it. So there are ways around it. Yeah. You know, my, my whole goal in this work that I've been doing all these years, and it's it's been 39 years, actually, that my goal is to educate people about what is possible. And if you're not educated, you can get stuck in a system that doesn't know when to stop. I mean, the more we become... Um, I want to well, we become knowledgeable in these uh, machinery and, and some of these devices that we're using. The worst, the worst dying has become. Yeah, it's yeah. So unnecessary. Yeah. If, yeah. if people would just learn what yeah. they need to know, and it's not rocket science. It really isn't. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. need to know that at the end of life, you don't need a lot. But what you do need, you need very, very badly. You need yeah. to be comfortable. Yeah. And you don't need to be in the hospital or in, especially in ICU. I've seen patients, Denise, in ICU that their arms were tied down because they were oh. pulling to. Yeah. Don't want to die like that. No. Uh-uh. Nope. And these days, you know, a lot of uh, um, hospitals they put people on ventilators. They sedate them and then they put them on ventilators. Wow. And um, that is a really tough way to go. It's big money. Number one. And number two, who are they doing it for? Uh-huh. I mean, if I'm dying of a terminal illness, a ventilator's not going to make that illness better. Yeah. You know, let me go home and be with my family or in a home-like setting. We will do hospice almost anywhere. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and... Our mother was uh, in a real high-end nursing um, facility, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she had she had a good ending. You know, she um, they had animals there, and she had a private room, and 
I remember walking in and there was a cat in there (laughs) (laughs) on a chair. And I was like, oh, hello. (laughs) Um, Yes. And, you know, I mean, they had her probably on morphine. You know, whatever brings you joy. She was different. Yeah, she was probably sleeping, you know. She was sleeping all the time. Um, But, you know, it wasn't that awful suffering, you know. Yeah. We do a lot of hospice and nursing homes and assisted living, but most of it is done in homes. I mean, I want to be home. I want to be by a window. I want I want to be able to see out and see the birds and the trees and the flowers, things and my friends and my family. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what? another thing that's going on these days is, you know, no family's not allowed in hospitals. Um, mm-hmm. It's just awful. I, I, wanna be, I mean, it, it's it's atrocious. I mean, People are passing yes. without without anybody holding their hand or being able to say goodbye to mm-hmm. anybody, you know? Oh, God, it's yes. just awful. And it's not bringing that patient any joy. And if you don't oh. enjoy, if you don't deserve joy yeah. at the end of your life, I don't know what you do. Um, right. And there are ways to do it. And hospice knows how to do it. Uh-huh. I remember one man, he and, he and his wife had an, um, an adult son that was on drugs. And the son came in while the dad was terminally ill at home. And he stole money for his habits. And sure. the father... Said to me, Judy, I just, I mean, his son was out, but he couldn't come back in his house because the police would get him. So he said, I just want to see my son one more time and talk to him. Uh So we, by then, the son was in jail. So we made arrangements with the jail to bring the son to the hospital. And we brought dad to the hospital in an ambulance and put him in a unit so he could have privacy to visit with his son. Oh, what a wonderful thing. They healed that relationship and it gave that son a chance to say, Dad, I'm so sorry and I love you. Yeah. Um, And the dad would be able to say to him, I forgive you, I know you have a problem, and I just want you to be well. I mean, yeah. Joy that brought that dad and that son and the mom. Uh huh. Um, I could tell you story after story of wonderful, wonderful things that happened um, throughout my husband's career, and some of them very personal because I live in a community. There are now 140,000 of us that are 55 and older. Uh And so word of mouth has spread about my book because 
I go out and give talks to clubs and churches and um, book clubs and where anybody will listen. I just go out and speak. And sure. The word is around. So people are calling me because my name's in the phone book and uh-huh. I have questions. And some of the wonderful things that have, have just touched my life. Um, sure. You know, it just it made, I, I had a call from a friend of mine, and she said, Judy, I met this lady at Curves. She said she told me that her husband had died, but that she had read this wonderful book that helped them through this. And so my friend said, well, I have a friend that wrote a book. Well, it happened to be the same book. Oh, oh, that's my, my friend, I would really like to meet her. So we arranged for the three of us to have lunch. And this lady came in crying, saying, Oh, Judy, you have no idea what a difference your book has made in my life, my children's lives, and it made my husband's life. She said he was dying of cancer. And because we had moved to this community, excuse me, with lots and lots of golf courses, and that was his thing. He played golf every day. Because you can play it here on our uh-huh. nine-hole courses, free. He said he played every day, and then he got sick. And the chemotherapy was making him so sick that he yeah. couldn't play golf anymore. He just, yeah. you know, he basically had to sit in the toilet half the time. Because yeah, it's terrible. She said, so somebody gave him your book. And he said, he read it, and he gave it. The woman said he gave it to me, and we made a decision together. We were going to stop the chemo because it wasn't uh-huh. making him better. Right. He said, Judy, he played golf for three months feeling wonderful. And then she said, our kids came home. We always had Christmases together. She said, our adult kids came home for Christmas. She said, Judy, honestly, we had one of the best Christmases we've ever had together. We left, we cried, we sang, we, we celebrated. And she said, he had a ball. Now, he could die. But yeah. think of the memories that that sure. for that family and the sure. joy it brought to yeah. him to do his favorite thing. Sure. That's what I'm about. Yeah, that's, I'm a, that's a good example. That's a really good example of, you know, knowing when to quit. And just, priority. Yeah. Just use the time you know have to. In a, in a good way. Hmm. Well, people so need you're, to know it, it's, it's going to be their death, yeah. not the doctor's death, not the nursing home's death. Right. Actually, they should have control about how they want to live while they're dying. Yeah. But they're not going to get it if they don't speak up and say what they want. Yeah. 
Well, um, so you wrote your book, and, you know, Spirit Matters, How to Remain Fully Alive with a Life-Limiting Illness. Where can people get your book? What are they saying? Well, if people go on Amazon and read the okay. reviews, my book, okay. it's just been... It's been so touching to me that it's made such a difference, and people are people are finding direction and um, peace about their decisions. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's been it's amazing to me that the reviews are just. I mean, I don't know these people. Sure. Um, it's well, it's got to feel good. Word to... Of mouth. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But it's really got to feel good to to um, impact other oh, people's lives in a positive way. Was there anything else you'd like to add to the interview today? I'd like to talk, if we can, about the money, sure. about Medicare about and money. Medicaid, and the amount of money we are spending in end-of-life care that is 20 to 30% of it, the studies show, do absolutely nothing, no good. And that's too that's bad. A lot, that's a lot of money. And, you know, we're having, we're having conversations about money and Medicaid and yeah. Medicare and private yeah. insurance, and we could save so much of that. But people have to make their wishes known. And right. Number one, there is a real good help online. It's called the Conversation Project. And it was put together to give people the tools to have the conversation because it's not it's not a comfortable conversation. I mean I've had it with my kids and it wasn't easy because they didn't want to talk about their mom dying. Sure. Um, but my daughter-in-law, one of my daughter-in-laws is a oncology nurse. And she said to my other son and my daughter, you don't know what a gift your mother is giving you by telling uh-huh. you what she wants because she said people on the oncology unit, families, get in arguments all the time because everybody wants something different from mom or dad. And this way, your mom, you don't have to make this decision for your mom. She's already made it. It's really important to me to maintain that control about my own death. Yeah. I mean, we make make plans for everything, Denise. Think of what the the energy and time we put in in planning a wedding. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. A, a vacation, a home. Yeah. We don't make any plans for our, for our own. Yes. And yet 100% of us are going to die. And 90% yeah. of us are going to die of a life-limiting illness. That's ninety percent. It can be in That's a lot. Disease. 
lung disease, liver disease, cancer, dementia, musculoskeletal diseases, Parkinson's, yeah. so many. And 90% of us. So go online, pull up the conversation project.org to fill in the blank. And then you can go in if you change your mind in five years and you're still here, go in and change it. It's not written in stone. And um, But the other thing that I think is just as important is to let your loved ones know what you want. Yeah. I mean, I told my kids I want to be clean. I've gone into home for people have not had a bath for two weeks because the people don't know how to take care of them. They've never done yeah. it before. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I want my hair combed. I want I want my teeth brushed. I want um I want to be in a pretty nighty. I don't want to be in a hospital gown with my rear end sticking out. I want to be uh-huh. in a pretty nighty. And I've told my kids, if you come at me with a thing of insure, I'm going to spit it out. I want hot fudge sundaes. And if I want a glass of wine, give it to me. Sure. Whatever will bring me joy, I want it. So this is my control situation because uh-huh. I've, seen too much, I've seen too much suffering. Yeah, yeah. We know what works. Sure. This is what we do for a living. Yeah. People shouldn't be in pain when they're dying. I have all this chapter in my about that. Yeah. Well, the professionals in the hospice, they know how to manage all of that. You know, all the trained professionals. And if you still want to keep treatment going, you can't do that on hospice, but you can on something that is connected with most hospices, and it's called palliative care. Uh huh. And so people, that's kind of an early hospice, and then people that are trained, and when it's time for hospice, they're in the home nursing home or wherever, um, guiding people as they go through changes in their disease to, to help them through that. It's like a bridge between um, one type of care and hospice care, which is comfort care. Right. Hospice care is aggressive treatment. It's aggressive comfort care, where regular medical care is aggressive treatment for cure. And if your condition is curable, absolutely, I'll take it. But if it's not curable and I'm suffering, I want to be on hospice or at least palliative care. Unless yeah. I'm doing this stuff, it doesn't cost you anything. Right. And probably save your your family a lot of grief because watching somebody suffering that you love is never, never good. 
No, not, not ever. Walking your loved ones with their arms tied down because they want to pull tubes out. They're dying. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So can, we can save suffering. We can save money. Um, we can save families. Um, I had, I had a, a, several families where the, the the kids, the adult kids, were estranged from their parents. Getting those kids to come home when one of their parents was dying healed so many relationships that happened in my own family with my uh-huh. dad. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> and it, it left me, it didn't leave me where it found me, Denise. Um, I had such peace when he died knowing that we had healed that relationship yeah. because I carried that in my heart. Uh-huh. My dad... And I couldn't, I couldn't reach him emotionally. Yeah. But when he got sick, he wanted his daughter, the nurse. And so oh. did we heal that relationship. And it's left me with such peace. And it brought him joy. That's so a great story. Well, I want to um, encourage our, our listeners to... You know, purchase Judy's book, Spirit Matters, How to Remain Fully Alive with a Life-Limiting Illness. And um, I want to congratulate you on your book and on your work and your continued um, support within your community. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Let me just add one thing to Nurse Denise. I have a website. It's www.com. Uh-huh. dot spiritmattersauthor.com dot com correct okay great all right thank you Judy thank you ma'am thank you Take so care. much bye 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 that wraps up our show for today. We'll be back again next Wednesday. Until then, please be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? 